In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Sometimes movies are challenging for me to <laughs> watch, um, but oh, also no idea. <laughs> sometimes because of the nature of the movie, I struggle to think about like what the opening question to you will be. Um, That's fair. And this, I have some hot takes about some of the actors in this movie. Uh, this movie really had a lot of. You know what was good about this movie? How many actors it had in it. So many. So many actors were in it. Um, that's about the only True. thing I can say that might be like wow. a, a good thing. That's not a ringing endorsement. No. Because most movies, most of them have actors in it. Yeah, most <laughs> movies do have actors in it. I know. But like some movies have the most amount of actors in it and that's that's true i don't think this one is like the most amount of actors i feel like the, one of the types of movies that have the most amount of actors are shoot what are those movies there's like they're they're really bad but like um he's just not that into you oh and, like, New Year's Eve yeah, and yeah 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 they have a lot of actors that's true but this i think for i was shocked at the amount of what i might call walk-on roles in this movie um like small parts played by people who like are actually like people who seem like they should have been in bigger stuff um definitely that and then in terms of like it seems like it was a paycheck movie for everyone though don't you think like I mean uh, it's hard to say because when I was doing hmm. research about this movie uh, uh, there is not much out there, first of all. Um, secondly, it sure seemed like the lead actor in this movie, he was kind of into it. Um, and like, really? And I don't, I'm not convinced. Well, he thought it was like a good idea and he wanted to do it. Um, really? Was the other people, I would believe, maybe it's more of a paycheck situation um or more up and coming at the time and right become or more like famous now working with the lead actor sort of yeah. thing um but quite a lot of these people were already fairly established by the time this movie came out so really even the the woman not the woman um okay she's who i was thinking about yeah like everybody everybody else though was like pretty set on their career trajectory and they were still in this movie. Um, But the thing, the one thing I thought to ask you that I don't know that we've ever discussed on this program is, do you have any thoughts about gambling? Do you like gambling? (laughs) 
Um, uh, I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that I have like um, big thoughts. Um, I don't. No, I don't particularly like gambling. I mean, I do if it's not my money. <laughs> Great, of course. But I'm not like a big game player, mm-hmm. I guess. So like, I, it doesn't. No, and I don't have like I don't have big opinions about gambling. It's not for me. Um, you know, the most gambling I've ever done in my life is like a pool on the Super Bowl or something like that, where like maybe I'll lose ten dollars. Yeah, you know, um, I've been to a casino once in my life. Definitely, casinos are not for me. <laughs> um, like for sure, you that's don't not like my vibe. The environment? No, not for me. Um, too too much and not enough at the same time. Um, so yeah, I don't have, I don't have, I don't, I don't personally see the appeal of gambling. It's not for me. Yeah. I don't, I've like actually gambled in an actual casino once in my whole life. And yeah. And it was sometime in my very early twenties. And the reason I know that it was that was because I was hanging out with a group of friends and where like what can I ask where because I feel like I think like there's like more trashy (laughs) trashy type casinos than you know like I would to be fair the one casino I was in was in Atlantic City not Vegas correct like trashier yes and I I too was in some casino in Atlantic City um the trashiest of the indeed indeed um and the, re- and the reason why I know it has to have been my early 20s and why it has to have been Atlantic City was because um, a group of we us... Lived in the Northeast. Well, that, <laughs> part one. But a group of us went down to visit my friend Krista, who has a family beach house on the Jersey Shore. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I just remember that whatever point in summer that it was, it just so happened that the long weekend we were there, it rained pretty much every day. And so mm. we had been sitting in the house like basically just getting drunk for like at least a day and then we're like this is well, pretty you, at boring at least you went to a casino drunk i think that's better than the stone cold sober that i was which yeah. made it seem very unappealing yeah so like <laughs> i think what it was is like we spent one whole day just sitting in the house drinking and playing cards and we were like we can't do this again it's too boring. Mm. And then I guess we must mm. have cooked up the plan that the next day we were going to go. Let's drink and play cards. To the casino, else. indeed. <laughs> where we have to pay money for all of that. And I remember that I looked up, because I think this is true in at least New Jersey. I'm not sure if it's true in other gambling states. Like to be even on the floor of the kis- casino, you had to be 21. Um, I think that's true everywhere. And I remember some security guard coming up to me and being like, where's your ID? You don't look old enough oh. to be here. And I was like, here you go, like, sir. sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's true everywhere because again, like I'm saying, they're slinging drinks at people right. like it's like right. water. So yes, gambling and casinos are clearly not our bag, but no. they are a sen- Well, the existence of them is like the main plot point around which this movie functions, which is interesting because yeah. we barely are ever in a casino in this movie. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, I didn't get this movie, but like... There's a lot of head-scratching parts. <laughs> so, welcome everyone. There's, there, 
Okay, sorry. There was one part that I really wanted to go somewhere else, and I like wanted the whole mo- movie to go in like a different direction, and it didn't, and I was a little disappointed. Oh, well, do let me know when we get there. Um, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to See You Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we are talking about this week? Yeah, this is a movie I'd never, ever heard of. Um, and I only recently though- heard of it. Really? Okay. So I wasn't sure if I just had like missed the boat because it's not in my, you know, it's not the type of movie I'd be aware of anyway. But we are talking about the 2002 um, Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Correct. Yep. I have so many questions. Do you want to start off with one (laughs) just to kick us off? Well, first, just like two, like I have some hot takes about Eddie Murphy. Okay. And I just want to like. One is a hot take, and then two are other, like, factoids I've heard about him that I find interesting. Okay. One, I'm not a fan. I'm not really an Eddie Murphy fan. Okay. That is a hot take. Yeah. I don't – I find him skeezy. I think he's Interesting. Okay. There's something about him. I think – because I think he's – anyway, these are the things, the facts I've heard about him don't – can't – I can't confirm if they're true. So okay. it's just conjecture. So these are facts that have not been fact checked is what you're saying. Correct. Okay, correct. great. I've heard them somewhere else and I've taken them on to be facts. Perfect. <laughs> um, We're, the the yeah. American world is not falling into a cesspool of despair and misery because of exactly this <laughs> behavior. Go on. Yeah, but this, I mean, I think Eddie Murphy will be fine. He will. Um, he doesn't care. I've heard he has a lookalike and perhaps even a dude who does stand in work for him. That he looks so much like him that he they actually send him out on stuff as Eddie Murphy. Are you talking about like, his brother Charlie Murphy? I don't know. I've just heard this somewhere that he had there is someone else that they will pass off as him, and that's how much he looks like him. Well, if you're talking about and when and I don't and I don't mean someone like in the movies, it's not him. I mean like that like for press stuff sure, or like sure. signing autographs or something like that, they'll send this dude out or something because Eddie Murphy doesn't want to do it. Well, if you're um, talking about his now deceased younger brother, Charlie Murphy, I, um, I'm not sure. he did look a striking amount like Eddie Murphy and certainly could have done things of that nature if that was... That's possible. I'm not sure if that's what I have heard or not, but that that's possible and that would be a lot less like... That's not that scandalous to me, I guess. But the other thing that I heard about him, I think from maybe another podcast with like actors talking about things, someone who was on a movie with him, anytime you don't see his face, it's he not, is not him. There. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has like stand ins upon stand ins. If his head is, it's the back of his head, it's not him. If it is, you know, like, truly if it's not his face he's not there yeah I mean I could and I do believe that for sure and I do believe that and that's a little bit why I don't like him like I don't like that type of behavior even though I understand it I it feels diva it feels sure I'm too good for this like it's not really nice to the other actors like so that's sort of my Eddie Murphy hot takes fair enough um (laughs) there's no way to really confirm or deny this in the context of this movie and frankly, if I were in this movie, I would try and find ways to be not there as much as oh, possible. for sure. Um, <laughs> so The Adventures of Pluto Nash, um, this, I'll just say for my own self, I also had never heard of this. 
Um, but then, as is often the case, sometimes you've never heard of something, and then in the same week you hear of it, like, three times. And really? I was, and that's the whole thing, is, like, well, you may... Who was talking about this piece of not, shit? <laughs> not, like, real people, because I don't think real people know oh. this movie. This is, like, okay. on other podcasts that I listen oh. to about <laughs> movies and music and pop culture things, it got referenced at least two or three times, like, in the past really? couple weeks. And Weird. I was, like... What? And and as well, I will say that one of the struggles that I have generally in our podcast is we often just like have like a bunch of white people shit because white people seem to yeah. be in science fiction like so much more than everybody else. Um, yeah, because white people are nerds. Yeah. I mean, there's also just the <laughs> the usual racism parts of things. But, I know. <laughs> uh, but also, yes, white people like to get into weird shit. Um <laughs> And I white people have a lot of time on their hands. Let's say that. that. Yes, like yes, they have a lot of time on their hands. They like to think about the. They don't have to be worrying about like oppression, right? And right. like you know, they can they have time to be like, let's imagine this stupid fake fucking world. Yeah, like you know, yeah. Um, that's why the whole genre of fantasy exists. Exactly. Um, but so anyway, I was like, oh well, this has got like a black lead, so that's at least something, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and I'd never mm-hmm. heard of this thing. Um, but I did only ever hear about it in the context of people talking about bad movies. So I was like, oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know that I would call I this. I I had known that a little bit because I was like, oh, no, is this supposed to be good? Because with Eddie Murphy, I like, not that he's always only in good movies. Right. But like, I kind of was like, well, there's good people in this. Like, am I supposed to be liking this? No. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, and we've talked about this a fair bit, both in this podcast and just on our own because we both like bad movies. Um, mm-hmm. There are bad movies that are just bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. And and some and they've somehow, and maybe it's because they haven't fully leaned into how bad they are. Um, yeah. And this is one of those, in my opinion, where yeah. we could have made this. Like there's not a redeeming, like fun quality. Yeah, to we could have sort of. really yeah. made this something to behold where you're like what is happening um and it, yeah. and it would have been kind of fun and funny to see um yeah. this unfortunately did not go there um yeah, t- yeah so just for a general understanding of what's happening here the imdb description of this movie says in the future a man struggles to keep his lunar nightclub out of the hands of the mafia now totally normal what are you talking about <laughs> i'm not even sure that actually really is is that what happened a description yeah, of like, the movie because it's not i mean it's kind of the mafia that he's working against is it but like, who are the, i mean i actually truly had no idea who they were and, and why they were there yes and that's fair because the the story itself like i when i was putting together the typed outline from my handwritten mm-hmm. one I was having to do a lot of work to be like, <laughs> what is the connection here? I missed it. Like, yeah. I didn't get it. Um, but to the other thing, though, I should say about bad movies, and this definitely has this hallmark of a bad movie. Um, bad movies make you ask the question repeatedly throughout their watching, what year it, is this movie made? Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, also oh, why, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, <laughs> but what year does this movie come from? Like, not what year is it set? 
Like not, you yeah. know, but like who, when did this transpire and what was going on? <laughs> and who's in, who was responsible for this? And this movie absolutely has that feeling in it yeah. where I kept being like, so it's from 2002, but, and it, and I would add to that, bad movies keep making you ask what year did it come out? And yet every time you look at the year, you're like, that checks out. Like, you're like, this is very yeah. of this era. And this one, I would say there are certain elements of it that are so early 2000s that it's like, yeah, and oh, yeah. But it was yeah. also giving me, like, like because what you have here, and what I think what you're alluding to is that it was originally written or their script was cycling since 1983. Right. Yeah, it started going and, around. And I'm not sure what that totally means if someone had just written yeah. a story or an actual screenplay. Um, Someone just wrote on a piece of paper in the future, <laughs> a man struggles to keep his lunar nightclub out of the Well, land. yeah, because, like, the idea, I guess, is that they wanted to combine, like, sci-fi with noir comedy style oh. stuff. And, oh. and then, oh, oh, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. also comedy. But say what you were going to say. Oh, well, just, like, I felt, I knew it was from 2002, and, like, you know, it, it felt relatively 2002 but I definitely had moments where I was like this it also very much felt 80s to me and I don't know if it was just like to me Eddie Murphy is evocative of the 80s sure yeah that was a big era for him we'll talk about it even though like yeah even though this is not I mean he looks good still and everything but he doesn't look like he did in raw you know right but like um Oh my god! If he was walking around in a red leather <laughs> like, tuxedo, that would have been amazing, and I would have believed it. Like, yeah, on, for sure. yeah, on the moon, on the moon yeah. sure, moon fashion. Um, he might as well have been in some parts. But yeah, like it did have a weird '80s vibe for me, even though, and I don't, and I'm not sure why. Maybe just like the bright colors. I don't yeah. know. Um, so it's going around for like basically 20 years before it actually comes out. And in these various iterations, a number of different people were considered for the lead role of Pluto Nash. Um, I'm curious who. I don't remember, but it wasn't mm. really super important kind of to me yeah. seeming like because uh, no one yeah. was really attached to long enough to make much of a difference. Um, but yeah. for whatever reason, this movie appealed to Eddie Murphy. And, um, so once he got attached, he was looking at the script and kept rejecting whatever they were sending to him. Because what I, (laughs) what I don't fully understand is if this original version of the, of the eighties that then started going through different like channels of people looking at it. I don't know if that first version was like meant to be serious and, you know, like a Blade Runner kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, because like Blade mm-hmm. Runner as well as like noir and science fiction combined together. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the thing. And then once Eddie Murphy was attached, they were like, oh, we've got to make it funny because that's his whole thing. Um, right. They needed to they needed to do a couple more drafts if they were going to do. Well, that. and that's <laughs> the that's the thing is apparently by the time it got to Eddie Murphy's hands, they had made it very funny or gaggier or something because they're like, it's a Murphy th- thing like. You know, that's his jam. And he kept saying, I want it to be written straight, like written like a traditional kind of noir. But I want to make it funny. Right. Like my my presence and me will make this thing funny. 
Um, That's a lot to take on for yourself, even as Eddie Murphy, I'll say. And I don't really know what he thought he was going to do to this material that was going to make it funny. Like, you have to have some of it written in. Like, Of course. um, Because here's the deal. Because that's the same as saying, like, I'm going to, like, write me a (laughs) stand-up set that isn't funny. But I'll make it funny. Right. So, like, that's not that's not a thing. Like, just your presence necessarily. Yes, I guess his presence makes things, like, a little bit funnier. Like, somebody else doing it, maybe it would have a different bent. But you can't, like... Yeah, if a story isn't funny, no, yeah, no amount of, like, looks you give the camera is going to yes. make it funny. Like... Right. Um, right. And so that. No amount of like making like a face or yeah. no amount of like. Yeah. Yeah. Or like physical bits you might do. Yeah. Um, like and this story isn't funny. Um, no, it's. I, I was confused. It's a very straightforward. Well, straightforward if confusing. Um, <laughs> kind of like mafia style. Uh, I was about to say Pinot Noir film, which is not. <laughs> what we're talking- Oh, that should be a genre. A is that Pinot not noir a genre? film where it's like all about where wine and all drunk ladies, wine and crime, <laughs> wine and crime. A Pinot noir. I think I love that. Genre. It's kind of like the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the yes. window. Wine that and crime. Pinot noir. Yeah, yeah. That is the. <laughs> <laughs> that is that exact genre. And P.S. Nobody can steal that from us. That is trademarked. To the Walsh gals, we've come well, up you, with you. You came up with it, but Pinot Noir genre. I love that. Um, so interestingly, as well, what I learned um, from this foray into like what happened. Apparently, almost everyone from virtually the start of filming knew that this was bad, that it was not working wow. the way everyone had thought it was going to work. Um, Yikes. but had no real idea how to fix anything. Um, That's awkward. yeah. And apparently I need to like, look this up quickly. Well, I mean, I have it right here, but apparently like, um, <clears throat> the director, Ron Underwood, what else has he done? Let me just see. Oh, he, yeah. He's done like city slickers and <gasps> various other stuff. Um, so he's, you know, a perfectly fine director, uh, has done good stuff. And, um, he apparently, he could tell it was going Ooh. badly, but for whatever reason was like, I don't know how to like correct this. Cause it's not good because the script isn't good and there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the. I don't know how you can, if the stories slash script slash like everything about it. Right. And also like, I think as well after I got the impression that after a point, everybody in the cast knew it was bad and (laughs) kind of didn't give a shit. So they were like, it's like we're at camp and we're doing like a shitty talent show. Like, yeah, and I mean, for actors, quite frankly, like, maybe some of them would disagree with the statement I'm about to make, but being in a bad movie doesn't mean it wasn't fun to make. Right. And, like, if sometimes maybe you don't care. Like, yeah. you're like, this is bad, but I've got a job. Right, I've, <laughs> like, this is bad, I've got a job, 
like literally like I'm saying like if you're in a bad like community theater production of something or whatever it's like well but I had so much fun sitting backstage bullshitting with my friends you know like yeah totally that was I mean and you know obviously at at the community theater level you're not going to get like blacklisted or like judged for being in a bad show but even like at the at like Hollywood level like everybody well, not everybody. A lot of people have been in bad movies. Sure. And they're not like, oh, you're terrible now. Your it's career's like, oh, ruined. That was a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this, according to Wikipedia, and this is a direct quote, is notable for being one of the biggest box office bombs in the history of cinema, uh, which is really quite something to say. <laughs> wow. I wonder if that's really true. Uh, let's see here what the... Based on, like... Because I could imagine the budget was high. Yeah. Like, let's especially see. with the actors oh, and everything. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, no. So the budget was $100 million. <gasps> Whoa. And it made, across oh. the world, <gasps> $7 million. Okay. I was scared you were going to say less than a million. Um, wow. That's not good. Yeah, real bad. Real, real wow, bad. Wow, 100 million. Like, I don't even I know don't... where I see that money. Like, where well, was that? Eddie Murphy got 99 mil. I guess. Like, the, no, I'm kidding. But, like, but all that, like, spacey crap. Yeah, and I guess. Like, so. costumes and even, like, small, they didn't have a lot of, like, crazy, crazy, um, uh, effects, but some of the effects they did, I can imagine, would be expensive. Yeah, I guess so. They did also have a really good soundtrack, and oftentimes that can rack up mm. some serious change. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll also, yeah, yeah. just to wrap things up, um, this was nominated for five Razzies, um, wow. but it wasn't even bad enough to win those. So it's like, it's the... It's like medium bad, which yeah. is the worst kind of bad. Yeah, it's... Like, it's... It's not the worst of the worst. It's not like The Room, which is like (laughs) very enjoyable bad to me. Like, and this is just like boring, unnecessary bad. Yeah. That in my, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's just briefly talk about the cast. And this is going to be kind of a different take than usual because there are only three characters that really matter um to the story but then there are a lot of other as i said there are many actors in this film um yeah that just pop in who appear briefly yes so we'll talk about them briefly um yeah so the titular pluto nash is played by a 41 year old eddie murphy um we all know who he is but just Mm -hmm. i hadn't quite appreciated how young he was when he like became successful um yeah so he's like a New York boy, born and raised in New York. And so yeah. he started doing stand-up comedy and impressions when he was only 15, such that by the time he was 19, he was already on SNL. Um, Whoa. Wait, how old was he, like, in Raw and things like that? He might like, have been, like, special. 20 or something. What? I think so. Because, wait, like, Raw... I don't know what years those were. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what... Hold on, let's see what Eddie Murphy... But, like, the 80s, like, early 80s. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hold on. And if he's 41 in this, yeah, he probably was 20. That's wild. Let's see. 1987, so... Oh, it's a little later. So, 26-ish. Eh, still. Yeah. Um, but still, to be, like, I mean, to comedy is a tough 
And and I feel like those big long hour specials like that were not the norm at that time. They were, the but you just didn't. Oh, they were. You just couldn't see them anywhere. Like, um, or you would get. I remember they used to come on records, so you would listen to them. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. He he, because Raw was videoed, which was unusual at the time. But like uh, having a stand up set of a big name guy. And then, like, yeah, you that could was get a, a recording of that. That was around. It yeah, just yeah. wasn't a video yeah. recording. Um, gotcha. So he's on SNL at 19. Um, and then after that, he hits his first, and this is probably what you mean about the, like, 80s thing. His first run of real success, movie-wise, is in the 80s with things like Beverly Hills Cop and Coming to America. Um, mm-hmm. and he becomes like a true kind of, and trading places. Um, mm-hmm. so he becomes a big Hollywood name in the eighties. And one of the things that I think is interesting about his career is like, he's been kind of a superstar almost from the start, but yeah, simultaneously his career has been spotty. Like, um, he goes up and down in terms of the quality of his movies, whether or not they're mm-hmm. popular. Um, Mm -hmm. so like this one came in kind of a weird spot for him because I don't think we're quite yet to like nutty professor and the clumps thing, which I'm sorry to say made people very happy. I did not care for them. No, Um, and I don't think they'd be, they wouldn't be well received anymore. Like the, he's interesting because his humor, I think, first of all, is, does not age well. (laughs) Some of it does not. Um, Yeah. Oh, yes. Some uh, that's true. Not all of it. Some of it is still very funny. I mean, the ice cream bit he does in Raw, like all of that. Yeah, yeah, That's still great. Some of the other stuff he does. Not so much. Not so great. Um, But, and same with, so it's so funny. He's got very different types of humor that he taps into. And I think, like, he'll make a whole movie about one type. Right. (laughs) Like, The Nutty Professor is all that, like, just silly bullshit, sort of. Yeah. And... And for some people, that works. A whole full-length movie of that works. And for lots of other people, that does not work. Right. And, like, Beverly Hills Cop is still a great movie. Like, if you've not seen it, it's mm-hmm. great. Um, and then I don't know if I've seen it. Shrek, Shrek starts happening at some point, I want to say, yeah. in, like, the 90s or maybe early 2000s. Uh, I, think, I think Shrek, the first one, was 2001. Because okay. I was just watching that the other night. Um, so that also created a bit of a resurgence for him because it. my impression mm-hmm. was the 90s were a bit of a, like he was still making movies and stuff, but they were a bit of a fallow period in terms of like, he he was still kind of like what people knew him for as being a star was stuff from the 80s, not current yeah. stuff he was doing. And then yeah. from Shrek, I, I would say, this is my opinion, that kind of mm-hmm. bulked his career back up again. Um, yeah, which is even funny because it's not he it's not him, but it like his voice was perfect for that. Right. Character and, and also kind of reminded people about him and that he's funny and that he's got a funny sounding voice um, and that he can do funny things with his voice and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, I also thought these are just like kind of personal things about him that I thought were intriguing and I hadn't realized he's got eight children. I did not know that. That's like a, I guess. See, this is the thing. Sometimes is he married. I think he's been. I don't know if he is not currently. Matter, but, um, uh. I just feel like sometimes when people get really rich, 
it's like, <laughs> who the fuck cares? I'll have, like, what's the problem with having another kid? And Sure. Well, I mean, it's sort of true. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, for sure the money part maybe is no longer an issue for you. But, like, then you still got to parent eight humans and that no, sure it's horrible. seems like a bummer and a half because i want to parent yeah i want to parent zero humans like because because even well, one feels like a lot of work <laughs> yeah and then also like to to manage the uh, uh the distribution of not money fine that's out of the picture that's super right. fine but like the distribution of, of your time and your attention or, yeah all of yeah, it yeah 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 um and you're an actor. I'm yeah. sure all of it. No, no offense to Eddie Murphy, and I don't know anything about his kids and his his himself as a dad. I'm sure there's been some tensions. I'm sure. Life. I mean, there's actors who have like one kid, and they're like, "Yeah, you were never there. Yeah. You suck." Well, and that so. especially when you have that many kids, we're dealing with probably a pretty like big age range. Yeah, and I bet there are some kids, perhaps the older ones, who are like, "You sucked. Like you were terrible." Yeah. And the newer ones might be like, oh, yeah, you were, like, great, and you came to soccer. You know, like, um, who knows? I don't know enough. Who knows? I've Yeah. Um, But also, he sometimes does music. (laughs) Like, he sometimes writes songs and performs them. Really? Yeah. um, Huh. Because, like, remember, he was in Dreamgirls. Oh, yeah. I was trying to remember if he sang on SNL, if he ever did, like... Well, he had a a song that I remember from the 80s that was called My Girl Wants to Party All the Time. And it's a pretty good song. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Now, is it a song that is probably totally underwritten and inspired by the use of cocaine? Sure. Um, Oh, yeah. But is it a kind of fun song? Is it a kind of fun song? Sure it is. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think we can. I don't think we can start like admonishing songs if they were written by people on cocaine, because then we wouldn't have a lot of songs we would, left. Like literally, all dance music would just disappear entirely. We wouldn't like, have a a lot of songs from the eighties. Wouldn't have happened. They would never exist. Like, yeah, <laughs> disco, just like disco, gone. Like totally um, gone. So anyway, actually, if you can find it, this might be a good place to drop in some soundscapes from Party All the Time. Um, so next we have a character called Bruno, played by a 52-year-old Randy Quaid. I can't brother I, of okay. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> I'm I'm fighting the urge to sing the Bruno song really badly. Okay. Um Oh, from Encanto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I would like to not talk about this character for sure. Wait, but <laughs> wait, Bruno is the robot? Yes. Randy that was Randy Quaid. I couldn't figure out if that was a famous person. <laughs> I immediately was knew who it was. Really? Yes. And I was like, he was a weird, weird, weird robot. He was an extremely weird robot. He seems like an extremely weird man because, um, I got to look up a picture of Randy Quaid right now. I forget exactly what's his whole deal is at the moment, but I remember seeing some, something about him semi recently. He's, you know, I don't know if he's a Trump supporter, but 
Well, he's, he looks fucking like one. He's in that realm. Oh my god, he's the guy from. <laughs> oh Jesus, I didn't re- I didn't realize who he was. And yikes, let me just tell you pictures like of current. No, him, no, you don't. Just a big yikes. No, 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 no. He looks like a fucking mountain man terrorist it's, person. It's, it's yikes. Yeah, it's a big old yikes. But he was in. Um, I didn't realize this was him. He was in. Uh, Fuck that Christmas movie. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. He's Cousin Eddie. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. Um, um, gotcha. That's his main claim to fame, as far as I can tell. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a funny turn of events, because... Is he Dennis Quaid's brother? Yes. Golly. Yeah. Um. So, his early career, when you look at it, and I didn't... Is he in jail? Sorry. Is he? <laughs> Just looking at... I'm just looking at, there's this picture of him. It looks like he's in. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he really took a weird turn, like, as many a middle-aged white man did once Obama got elected the first time. Mm. He took a weird turn, know. I'm pretty sure. It's just one of these pictures really looked like he he was looking arrested. <laughs> I, I mean, I believe that, definitely. Um, but what's interesting when you scroll through his IMDb stuff, and I didn't really take the time because I didn't know any of these movies, but he started out with a very kind of like, um, prestigious, well-received career. He's been nominated for an Oscar, I think at least once. I don't think he's won it, but he's been nominated. Um, and just like, yeah, Cousin Eddie, that's his main claim to fame. Um, he also was the dad in the original Independence Day who flies his ship into the sh- like the alien ship to save us all, and he's like on the radio with his kids, being like, "I kind of was a shit dad." Uh, so those are like his two most famous roles, I would say, uh, according to me. Those are the things I know him from. Um, and then from his IMDb page, basically starting around two thousand and six, things start kind of slowing down for him. And that kind of makes sense to me because by then he's in his like mid 50s. And it's not that you can't keep acting after that, but you maybe yourself are just, and he hit pretty early too. Um, I think he's probably just like, now I can like move into retirement phase and well, just if, do whatever. Well, he, well, after 2006, this is probably why. In 2009, Quaid and his wife were arrested for allegedly defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara. Oh, well, yeah, that would not help <laughs> so, your acting career. Then, and then he had some legal troubles yeah. up through like the next while. Yeah, and now, like I said, I think he's, if he's not an actual Trump supporter, he is very close to that um, it's, It says here also that in 2000, he became an outspoken supporter of Donald Trump after 2016. Yeah. Um, so the final kind of main person we need to know is a character called Dinah Lake, um, played by Rosario Dawson, who was only 23 when she was in this movie. Um, and her big... Of course. Of course, Eddie Murphy was like, get me a 23-year-old. I guess. I don't... I mean, again... I don't know. <laughs> No, no, that's just. I know no, it always. But. It's it's definitely worth pointing out, but also, I kind of feel like this character could have. She's kind of looked the same age for like a, a long time. Years, though, yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually thought, and this just shows how terrible Hollywood and also me am. Um, <laughs> is that I looked at her in this movie and I was like. She looks a little chunky in comparison to how she is Whoa. now. Like, um, wow. And what I would and what I would actually Judgmental say, much? well, definitely sure. Um, what I would actually say is 
that, you know, like when you're young, you're still thin, but like you have kind of like cheeks that kind of are full of collagen and yes. like you just have a baby yeah, face to, kind of. Um, yeah, you start to, as you get older, that stuff all like hollows like, out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and now, because she's basically my age, she was born in 79. And I mean, I think she has also. She's probably lost some bit. weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I was going to call it, I was going to call it succumbing to Hollywood's pressures, but lost weight. Yes. That's also <laughs> the word for it. Uh, well, yeah. Cause also like when you're young, you say to yourself, like, I'm just going to work out like a couple times a week and that's fine. You know, like you just generally are like not, cause you're just naturally often thinner. So you don't think like you need to do much of anything to like yeah, look good. Different. Um, and you don't need to do much of anything to look good. Um, I thought she looked great in this movie, except for, like, her outfits were weird. <laughs> oh, the clothes. We will talk about the clothes because all of it's yeah. pretty bad. Um, yeah. So she, she again, is similar to Eddie Murphy in terms of, like, having her career start off very young. So, okay. Um, so she, her big break is kids in 1995. Um. Mm. And that's an indie movie that got kind of a lot of um, attention once it was out. And she was a kind of main character in that movie. Um, I've never heard of that. It's Don't watch it. It's really super upsetting and depressing. Chloe Sevigny oh, okay. is also in it. Um, oh. So, hmm. She's in a lot of things that are yeah, upsetting. Yeah, it's like. almost <laughs> as though she purposefully chooses to do that. Um, I think she might. Uh, but because that was, like, where Rosario Dawson started from, her trajectory, and she was only, like, 16 in that movie. Um, oh, wow. So then in between that and being in this movie, she kind of mo- moved from, like, the indie scene to more mainstream roles. Um, because she's Rosario Dawson, that means she's Latina. Um, is, that the, is that the term that people use? It's the term that I use. Um, because oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I find it awesome. Um, all right. But by that, I mean, she is Latina and black, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, up until relatively recently was often something people who were of that profile would say, like, I'm kind of treated as though my Latina heritage doesn't exist because I don't look like, um, you know, Rita Moreno. Uh, but now, mm. so that that is true of her as well. Like, I would say when Rosario Dawson uh, shows up in many things, even today, uh, she, like, and I don't know how to say this in a way that so- doesn't sound perhaps a bit strange. Like, she reads as black only. Uh-huh. And her characters are kind of designed around that. Um, yeah. And certainly that's true, I would say, in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But she is also Latina, and I think, you know, that's, coming there's more space for that kind of awareness now than there was at the time um Mm -hmm. most recently she's gotten into a series of different of the marvel tv shows um like coming out of netflix so like luke cage and jessica jones and those ones um i don't watch any of those i i've tried them all and never really they've never really kept my interest um okay and then she's set to be in yet another one of these fucking Star Wars TV shows that Disney Plus is doing, um, <laughs> where she's playing the character Ahsoka Tano, um, 
I like the original Star Wars movies, fair enough, but I absolutely don't fuck with all the other bullshit that Star Wars has now <laughs> come out with, so I don't have any idea who Ahsoka Tano is, or even if I'm pronouncing okay. that correctly. Um, is it sort of like Boba Fett? Maybe. Uh, and then um the last thing i wanted to say is like her imdb profile refers to her as still single which wow it's like do they normally say that type of like do they even generally i I can't always no i don't like they usually mention some kind of romantic partner if that person Uh. exists um there's no need to write still single i know Jesus. well you saw how in the outline i was like rude <laughs> that is rude but because in, i'm curious if they would do that if it was a man correct he's still single correct um i don't think i ever heard the phrase the still single george clooney like um <laughs> or the still single brad pitt or like any number of those right. like or the still single leonardo dicaprio he's probably the best example of that yeah because he's actually not um, been married and and seems to be unrepentant in his desire for 20 year olds so uh regardless <laughs> oh, of his own Leo. personal age um yeah his personal age. I like that. That my personal age is <laughs> whatever I say, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in fact, she's been dating Cory Booker since 2019. So take that, IMDB uh, profile. Yeah, well, if she's not married, apparently that's still single. But I guess. Corey well, Booker yes, that is in... true. I've been working on doing my tax stuff, and you unless you are married, right, you are single. single. <laughs> <laughs> According to the US government, I am still single. Well, and Wait, to be clear, Cory Booker being, like, Cory Booker, the... Politician. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's cute. hmm Yeah, I apparently, more recently, Rosario Dawson has gotten into, like, various, like, fundraising, political stuff. Because she's, oh, she's a New York native as well. So she and Eddie Murphy have a very kind of similar biographical starting point. Okay. Um, and then there are just a bunch of people in these very bit part things that I'm not really sure why they would have ever signed on to doing this, <laughs> except for either making a bunch of money or being well, like, I can. budget was fucking $100 million. Maybe true, they did. They're like true. passing out money. Um, or it's like, I get to hang out with Eddie Murphy. And I could see both of those reasons being quite compelling, you know? Yeah. Um, so here, let's kick it off with this movie that truly. Again, this is another one, too, where I would say we've kind of been in a run of this lately where it's like you watch bad. the movie and then you're like, did anything happen did in watch? that movie? Like, what yeah. is the story? Because, like, usually the way I can tell that nothing happens in a movie is our outline is extremely short. <laughs> yeah, which I love. Like, I love um, a movie where nothing happens. And Yeah, because this is, like, short. an outline where the actual story from the movie is three pages, and normally they're more like five or six. Like, I think, like, maybe their script was only three pages, because, like, it can't, there's... It's just, I mean, it was, I had to... It was a lot more shooting than there was, like, yes, explaining of yes. what was happening. Yes, uh, there. But what's funny is, like, whereas, to compare to, like, some of the things we've talked about recently, like, the Terminator outline was similarly short because it was an action movie. And at the time, we were like, blah, 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 action, blah, 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 chasing. (laughs) I get it. Um, That's sort of what this was. That was absolutely what this was. But this just, like, I'm like, but the Terminator is a good movie. And this sucks. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, because the thing is, even if it's like blah, 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 action, blah, 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 action, blah, 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 action, this, the like blah, blah, blahs in between are important. Right. And <laughs> and the store overarching story right. is also important. And even though, again, like I think Terminator might be a useful reference point because it's it hits kind of maybe some similar tropes and beats as this movie does. Um, yeah. Because that it similarly worked on this idea of like exposition dump, bunch of action, exposition dump, bunch of action, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But the exposition dumps that happened in Terminator connected to each other and made sense and like revealed more and more of the story. So you understood by the end of the movie, you knew exactly what was going on. Um, This by the end of the movie, I was still like, wait, what? Like, I don't. What's the point of this? Um, And they also like kept adding things too. I felt like that maybe. were irrelevant. Complicate, complicated yeah. it, like, in an unnecessary yeah. way. And, in fact, that's a good starting point because this very first opening scene <laughs> is part of something that I'm like, why is this even here, really? Yeah, I didn't understand. So, just in case, we've now been talking about the cast for a while, but, like, I'll remind you that the original description of this movie is about somebody who owns a lunar club, and just so, you, in case that's not clear to you, this whole movie happens on the moon, Yep. <laughs> so we start with our beloved title card that says Little America 2080. And we're in this club where we're watching a man who at the time is called Anthony Frankowski, who mm-hmm. is played by a 32-year-old Jay Moore. And when I saw his name in the credits, I wrote in my handwritten notes, remember Jay Moore? Yeah, he was in a <laughs> bunch of shit. He was, like, very... And another reason why, okay, 80s isn't right for him, but he's very 90s. Yes. So that's another person who's, like, it's a little bit out of his time period, I feel like, of his, like... Yes, um, this was, like... Uh, Yeah, you're right, because he he's in Picture Perfect with your favorite girl, Jennifer Aniston, and mm-hmm. he's in Jerry Maguire, and he also was an SNL guy, and he was there yeah. in the 90s. Um. So he has this 90s window where it's yeah. his kind of biggest moment in his career. I, if I remember correctly, he's still doing stuff, but not nearly to the degree that he was. Yeah. And this kind of marks the start of the end, like the downturn, you know, like the moving mm-hmm. away from not being in things. This is this is the beginning yeah. of that phase. Um, so he's performing some sort of weird song with like an accordion and a kilt um he has very fake hair on like real fake mm-hmm. hair um and pluto aka eddie murphy is watching him and then what and there's like maybe one guy in this club um do you want to try and describe what the club looks like on the inside yeah, yeah what it looks like to me <clears throat> is um what I will call movie dirty mm-hmm. and <laughs> like, like the, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, it looks like a set. It's sort yes. of like kind of like, it looks like, <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even, I don't know how to describe it other than movie dirty. It looks like a set. Like it looks like somebody, um, 
It looks like... Gray dirt on the wall. Yeah, and it looks like what they said to, like, the production team is like, okay, everybody, go get your dirty dishes from your sink at home. All of you, all nine of you, bring your dirty dishes from home. Bring them to work tomorrow. And then we'll just, Mm -hmm. like, distribute them around this set in random spots for no reason at all. Um, Yeah, and it, like... And everything looked place. rusty, kind of. Yeah, like even the walls yes. somehow. Like it was just, it was strange looking, but it was like, it very much looked like a set is yes. sort of how I could describe yes. it. Like it sort of looked almost like what you might see like in a play yes. on stage. Yes. Like when we're like, this needs to look quote unquote dirty. And gross <laughs> and old yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Um. And so Pluto is there. Anthony finishes his set and Pluto gives him some feedback. And what's really mostly important about this little exchange that they have is that um, Pluto says you should change your name to Tony Francis to perform. And And then Anthony's like, that sounds like a good name. And then... Pluto goes into the bathroom. It's equally gross. Um, And while he's in the bathroom, some mobsters come to shake down Tony Francis. uh, Because... And why? Well, so... Okay. So then Pluto comes back out of the bathroom and he sees this transpire. And apparently to buy this really shitty, disgusting club cost $2 million. Or $2.5 million. And he hasn't paid back the loan. Now, the thing that I immediately was like, so we're in... Are they bankers? Well, I mean, (laughs) mobsters give loans all the time. That's like a trope in various things. Um, Sorry, I do not know how mobsters work. (laughs) Actually, in general, like, the mob likes to... Is that what the mob does? They loan people stuff? They loan people money but because they like to have a a buy-in to certain types of businesses that are very cash-oriented. Oh, 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 So they can launder money and do various other things. Okay, okay. Um, But what I found myself thinking is, like, this is 2080, and you mean to tell (laughs) me that $2.5 million is still the going rate to purchase a club? That's what it costs now. And on the moon? Yeah. Of all, like, I feel like it might be more expensive. We're talking on the moon. And I was like, even for a shitty, disgusting place like this, you know, like, think about you're in Brooklyn. Like, think about, like, the shittiest, most disgusting space, like, in Brooklyn and someone coming in and saying, I want to make a club here. That, they're like, yeah, a million dollars. And that's now. I think Like, that's now. I know. I don't think 2.5 seems high. And, but... No, it seems low for the future is what I'm saying. For the future, yes. Right, right, right. But I mean, yes, yes, yes. But also because my assumption is the moon would be more, even more expensive. Yes. Because I would say also based on the fact that it is 2080, we have more recently, although they don't make it super clear in the movie, like we're more recently on the moon, so that would mean everything there was super expensive because everything would have to be imported. Right. Um, so I was like, I assume movie. I, I was like, movie. Come on now, like, <laughs> just it, I don't. I know that realism is a bore, but this is not enough <laughs> money for this thing. Um, but in in that 
basically Pluto recognizes one of these gangster types uh, because mm-hmm. Pluto has just gotten out of jail because he used to be a smuggler. Now that doesn't get that. super matter, but it sort of does. So I'm saying it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so because the mobster knows Pluto, or no, Pluto knows one of the mobster's bosses who's in jail at the moment. And he's like, can we work something out? And specifically what he says is like, I'll take over Tony's loan and then I'll become the owner of this club. And I guess it's like, okay, fine. So then we cut to seven years later. So now it's the year 2087. Mm-hmm. And I think I might have missed the fact that that happened. Um, and then do you want to describe what has happened to this club in the intervening seven years since Pluto's been running it? Yeah, see, I, I like definitely missed this. I, I figured I missed something and I didn't care. But so now it's like nice. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's spruced up. It's, you know, everybody, it's busy. Everybody's in there dancing. Um, the girl is there now. Yeah. And she's like a waitress. Well, she gets, so like, yes, when I, so there's this massive transformation. The club becomes great. And yeah. we know that it's great because Outcast is playing. Um, and everyone. I bet you that did cost a lot of money to get that song. What song was playing? So Fresh, So Clean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that costs money for sure. Um, yeah. And they're doing like a, I, I mean, this was the very early 2000s of it all. Is like everyone is in aggressive club wear and <laughs> they're doing a choreographed dance to this song. Um, yeah, where it's choreographed the way again, like, I'm not sure people really do this anymore, but I remember this from a few different movies of the late 2000s or late nineties and early 2000s, where it's like, we're doing a choreographed dance in a crowd. So it's not like we're all doing the same thing at the same time, but we're all like, if you look at it from above, you see it all fitting together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that is happening. And in my notes, I wrote very herky-jerky dancing in the future. <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot of, like, people shoving their arms out at different times and doing, like, a weird, like, low-style Heil Hitler move. Like, yeah. a lot of that is happening. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? And um, <laughs> But it did also, and this is one of these moments where I was like, this is absolutely an early 2000s movie because of the clothes everyone is wearing. Like... In the future, apparently, everyone's wearing the same clothes as they were wearing when this movie was being filmed. Like, it looks like they just told the extras, I don't know, just put on whatever you wear to the club. And they were like, okay, you got it. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's all that same shit from that era of, like, tight pants. Maybe the thing you've put on looks almost like plastic, but isn't really... Um, like club glasses that are those glasses that are like they look like sunglasses but then they're like pink you know like mm-hmm. it's all that yes. oh my god it's all oh my that god, like little half sunglasses that are colored I thought yeah. I was like oh no here yeah we go. maybe oh, there's a weird we go maybe there's a weird hat involved like you know it's all that stuff um yeah. and in this very busy awesome happening club Dina bumps into Pluto and she says that she's fallen on hard times, needs a job, and she's come to him because her dad saved Pluto's life sometime in the past. And mm-hmm. so kind of like, you owe me one. And he's like, okay, fine, you can be a waitress. Even though I think at this moment she says 
that she's a singer, but like he's like, well, I'm hiring you as a waitress. Um, later, oh, every sing every singer's heart breaks when they hear that. <laughs> Um, well, let's face it. There are only so many jobs for singers in this world, but we all need a waitress, um, quite often. So, Yikes. um, sometime later that night, uh, Pluto is in his office and he's being visited by a character whose name I did not know for the entirety of the film. So I was surprised to learn when I looked at the IMDb cast list, the character is called Mogan, which... I don't know what that name is at all. Um, like, seriously, what is that? Um, he's visited by characters Mogan and Larry. Mogan is played by a 51-year-old Joe Pantoliano, um, who many of us would know from a variety of different bad guys and jerks that he's played mm -hmm. over his career. Um, like in The Matrix, like in Risky Business, like in the Goonies, like in the Sopranos, like he is that that guy. Um, and he was like, again, he was like a real star. So this is like, he's maybe got 10 minutes of screen time in this whole movie. And his character yeah. isn't super important. So I don't know why he would have done this. Um, but nonetheless, he's there. And he and Larry are trying to strong arm Pluto to sell his club to this mysterious character called Rex Crater. And aye, aye, aye. yeah, what a name! <clears throat> that is a great moon person name. It is. What did they call? What did they call moon people? He called at one point. He calls. Oh, Jesus Christ! They should have come up with something better. <laughs> well, they can't be moonies because that's a cult that was called the Moonies. So he yeah, can't call them up that. With, like, they call that they call Earth people Earthlings. So they could have come up with something cuter than Moon. What did you say? Mooners. Mooners. I hate that. Um. So Rex Crater is this nefarious person who we will eventually meet at the end of the movie. But right now he's shrouded in mystery. And well, all we know is that he is the owner of a casino called the Lunar Grand. And so. They're offering Pluto $10 million, again, not enough, um, to turn his club into, like, kind of like a franchise of the Lunar Grand, I guess, is the way to say it. And mm -hmm. because the Lunar Grand is on a different, like, in a different city on the moon. It's not in Little America. And I guess, if I remember correctly, like, Pluto is, like, Little America doesn't have gambling and I'm not going to be the one to start it here. Mm -hmm. And so Mogan and Larry are very menacing and they're like, Rex Crater doesn't take no for an answer. And he's like, well, I'm still saying no, get out of here. So they leave. Then Dina is sent up to Pluto's office to bring him his end of night drink, which is all the materials for a martini um did you catch how he makes his martini no I didn't I can't remember oh this was like I mean this is something where I was like is this how Eddie Murphy thought he was like gonna make it funny because this gonna be funny this was legitimately funny but it already because like enough minutes of the movie had happened it didn't read as funny it just read as weird 
Um, See, I, I didn't read anything as funny, so I forget this part. So he take he she's just brought up the various like ingredients to make a martini, but she hasn't made a martini. Uh-huh. So he takes yeah. like vodka and um, vermouth and just pours them into his mouth and then pops like an olive in there and then like swishes around like he's got um, mouthwash and then he just drinks mm-hmm. the mouthful down <laughs> and ew. I well, that's the thing is like if if there had already been some laughs up to this point, I think I would have been like, that's kind of a fun bit. Like, yeah, well, it's like because it's riding a weird line of like normal. Like, I think if they wanted it to be funny, they had to go way more over the top. Like, so that's where I think Eddie Murphy was wrong in his saying, like, write it straight right. type of thing. Right. Because I think it needed to be, like, way wackier if it was going to be funny. Yeah. So he does this bit. And, again, it just reads as weird. And I was like, I don't get it. Um, (laughs) And then he gets a phone call from Mogan where he refuses again to sell his club. And um, then there's a massive explosion in the club. And um, Dinah... Or Dina and Pluto have to run away. And then yeah. there's a big chase scene on a shootout. Um, I, I really like tuned out on the chasing and shootout parts. I was like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like I can't, <laughs> I can't even totally remember. I think Mogan and Larry are there with some other henchmen. And they're Mogan following. Mogan and Larry. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> names I don't ridiculous. know. Um, so the, they're like, so there's a group of them chasing after Pluto yeah. and Dina. Uh, Bruno saves them with some massive guns that he's got. Um, mm-hmm. And then they run away to a motel where um, Dina and Pluto are arguing. I guess the feeling is that she's pissed off because she feels like she's been, like, roped into something. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess she has been, but also she literally has been working for this guy for like six hours at this point. And, yeah. and he saved her life. So I'm like, I don't know how much he roped you into anything. He's just now trying to keep you safe. And he's, and he does at least at first tell her to just stay in this hotel room. Like he, right. he doesn't want her to get involved in anything because he says, I'm going to go. You stay here with the android. I'm going to go see if I can find out, like, what is happening. And what he means by that is he's got a cop friend named Roland who he's going to be at the pool hall. Um, And Roland is played by a 67-year-old Peter Boyle, who you would know (laughs) as the dad from Everyone Loves Raymond, or Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, and also he was... uh... The, like he played Frankenstein or he yeah. played um he was Frankenstein something. and young Frankenstein yeah um and so he's there being he actually i felt like he made a good actor choice for a, a retired cop he seemed good for that <laughs> yeah totally um, so he so Roland is like telling well Pluto tells him about how Rex Crater has now blown up his club and is pressuring him now the other thing i'm just now realizing if you wanted to buy a property Mm -hmm. why would you blow it up 
Great question. Just great. Unless you are some sort of billionaire and you're like, I'm going to blow this up and start from scratch, I suppose. I mean, I guess that is, maybe that was, but I don't know. I just, I was like this, there are, if you, the point of that explosion was to intimidate Pluto into selling, but now he doesn't have anything to sell. So like, yeah, that is stupid. I don't get it. Or um, he'd be like, yeah, of course I'll sell this pile of bricks. Right, or- right. It is. Can I get that 10 million you said before? Right, exactly. Um, also, another weirdism that I think could have been funny, but time has passed, <laughs> is when mm-hmm. Mogan shows him the 10 million, it's Hillary Bucks. Hillary Clinton's face is on the money. Wow, that's actually dark. I know. Considering I the know. way that the world went. <laughs> yeah, that didn't age well. Um, no, but that's, I mean, it's funny. And especially for that time period, that would have sure. been funny. For sure. Um, so Pluto is there to t- ask Roland what he knows about this mysterious character, Rex Crater. Mm-hmm. And Roland tells him that no one has ever seen Rex Crater. Um, he just kind of exists as this enigma. And in fact, what Roland reveals is that they had been investigating how to get closer to Crater and they ran across this doctor who had an expertise with cloning. And this <laughs> doctor somehow like had some sort of connection to Crater, but they were never able to fully establish what it was because mm-hmm. she got killed suddenly. Um, and so Roland says... But she has an assistant who's still alive. Maybe ask her some questions. Mm -hmm. So then Pluto returns to the motel. And this is, again, this is like needless. I don't see the point of this. But he says to Dina that he needs her help. And Mm -hmm. he brings her along to this plastic surgery store. Okay, this is the part I liked, and this is the part that I wanted to go in a different direction. What was the direction you wanted it to go in? I wanted a full crazy body switch, and then that would carry through the rest of the movie. Oh, like where Rosario Dawson and Eddie Murphy switch bodies? Uh, well, this is like when a they Freaky go Friday like, situation. Well, not no, no, but this is when they went and like they could get their appearances updated like right. as if like they could be like muscle people. Right. Um I just I didn't need them to switch bodies. I just wanted like them to get new bodies. Like I just wanted like the fun of So you wanted like that. the nutty professor style shit. Well, and that's what it was reminding me of, but I didn't I didn't necess- I mean I didn't need to be crazy, but I wanted like something. I kind of wanted them to keep some goofy sure. attributes sure. or something. Yeah. And yeah, th- again, this did have. It might have helped with the comedy if they gave right. it just like a funny nose Right. Or and this had the potential to maybe even just in the scene could have been more funny possibly. Yeah. Which it wasn't. Um, no. Though it had another person. A lot of my notes. Though I will say it is an idea. Of like a future technology that I don't hate now it's, <laughs> that you just um, upgrade your body. Yeah, now it's quite problematic in like the world of you know body positivity and like all bodies are beautiful, right? Um, to want to be like, give me that body, <laughs> right? But 
I also kind of want it. <laughs> well, and as well, the two, they only, she only, the woman they, they're finding is this woman, Dr. Mona Zimmer. And a lot mm-hmm. of my notes in my handwritten notes keep saying things like, that guy, that lady. Like, I recognized yeah. people, but I didn't know who they were. And Dr. Mona Zimmer is another woman I recognized immediately. Um, her name is Elena or Elana Douglas was 41 at the time. Um, she started in stand-up and sketch comedy. She's also in the movie Picture Perfect with Jay Moore. Um, Weird. Yeah, you've seen this woman in a lot of things. Um, and in this case, she's this plastic surgeon who used to work for this cloning doctor. Um, and so, yes, there's this scene where she's, like, showing them how they might look like if they get their bodies upgraded. And so it's like a projector screen sort of thing that she's doing she had a crazy ass wig on yeah she had totally had i was like yeah my notes say what's that wig and that outfit like why is this on (laughs) it was wild Um, she's also born that actress was born in quincy mass that's funny um um, because when she takes her her, was crazy her wig was nuts and looked like a wig and then when she takes her like doctor's jacket off she had like a 1967 hippie outfit on (laughs) <laughs> underneath like full like peasant blouse with embroidered flowers and then those like weird long bell bottoms that were like stripes but like wide stripes like and see like I feel like maybe now I'm thinking like that the costumes were supposed to be like another thing we found quote-unquote funny maybe but it didn't but it didn't track yeah like were we supposed to laugh at how weird her wig was like like or are we just thinking like these mooners are weird, right? Like it was hard to it was hard to figure out like oh this is because <laughs> again we're on the moon so like any weird choice could just be like oh well that's what it's they, the moon that's the yeah so they finish up this like walkthrough of different bodies they could have and then they sit down um, with Doctor Mona Zimmer and Pluto pretends to be a cop. Um, which she doesn't really ask him any follow-up questions about how accurate that could be. Um, mm-hmm. and he's like, I need to know about your old boss and like what happened to her. Mm-hmm. And this was again, something where I was like, I don't think I followed this in the movie. Um, and I've, so if I've said, if I'm saying this wrong, it's because I didn't get it in the movie and I've just tried to figure out post facto, <laughs> like what happened. <laughs> Uh, uh, but like she says that her boss disappeared on this day and there were some guys who were there or guys came to her office and one of them had a briefcase with the initials WZW on it. And they're like, okay, great. Are we supposed to know what that means? No. Yeah. Um, okay, good. It's a clue. But when I give the reveal of what it's a clue to, you'll say, what? Uh- Okay, cool. cool so cool. just so we know that's about to happen. Um, gotcha. They return to their motel, and Pluto's mom is there, played by a 53-year-old Pam Greer. So Love her. She's awesome, but also, just so you know, Ed, Eddie Murphy is 41. The woman playing his mother is 12 years older than him. Um, yeah, I don't maybe know that so, I tracked it that I was supposed to be her, his mother. Yeah, that's his mom. I was just like, oh, there's another lady. <laughs> that's his mom. And her whole thing is that, um, oh, and by the way, if you don't know who Pam Greer is, she's amazing. She's in Foxy Brown, Jackie Brown. 
And she's got an upcoming some sort of version of Pet Cemetery supposedly coming. Um, yeah, I like her a lot. Yeah, and I think she was good in this movie, but like, there's no amount of cameos or walk-ons that are going to save this movie. No, the um, story is stupid. So then she tells Pluto that the moon is too hot, that he has to get off the moon. Rex Crater is looking for him. And then we get another gangsters showing up, shooting up everything, chase scene. Dina, Bruno, and Pluto all escape. And mm-hmm. then the plan is to get to the far side of the moon. And to do that, Pluto and Bruno have to hotwire a car. Um, they hotwire a car whose AI is a 63-year-old John Cleese um, mm-hmm. of Monty Python fame. Um, and he's quite... Uh, what's the word acerbic I guess and like upset Mm -hmm. about being stolen but eventually he rolls with that punch and they all head to the far side of the moon uh the far side of the moon is where there's this old abandoned they're calling it a mining dome and it's where Pluto when he was a smuggler would take his smuggled goods to like keep them um until he sold them um Mm -hmm. and they're going there because it's like they assume nobody knows that's where they are and Pluto wants to do some investigating of this wzw whole thing um Mm -hmm. but oh yeah this is a part that was kind of weird so there's a brief well not that brief but in the middle of the movie There's something that starts happening that never gets developed. And so I'm not sure if I was just hallucinating or what. But Bruno, the android, starts to seem to be jealous of Dina um, and Pluto's Mm -hmm. seeming closeness to her. And so Mm -hmm. at various points, I kept being like, is this android going to reveal itself to be like a plant or like a trouble? And it's going to end up going nuts and killing them. Um, Mm -hmm. turns out, no. Um, so there was, so I, either I'm insane or they were like, let's make you seem jealous. And then that went nowhere for whatever reason. Um, Pluto's efforts to try and locate WZW go nowhere. Um, but then Dina looks for some reason in the future, Eddie Murphy, as Pluto Nash, has written down on a piece, on a legal pad. They still have legal pads in the future, so relax about that. Um, (laughs) He's just written the letters WZW. That's it. On this legal pad. Oh, my God. And then Dina looks at it, and she's like, who's MZM? (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, Pluto is like, light bulb. Oh, my God. That's why I haven't found WZW. WZW is nobody. But MZM, he's like, I know exactly who that is. That's Michael Zoroaster Marucci, who is... Whoa. <laughs> what? I mean, that's a really intense name. Um, yes, but it's the future, Amy. So we have to have... Some, every name has to be weird. Okay. That's what this world presupposes anyway. Um, yep. So Michael Zoroaster Marucci is played by... Alec Baldwin. 
Yeah, that was great. And we see a little clip of him. And he is, again, this is not, I'm not totally sure if this is true, but this is the only way I can make sense of the movie's story. So the MZM, Marucci, is like the main number one king pib mobster on earth. Okay. And I think, if I understand correctly, there are rules in place such that people doing casino stuff on earth are not permitted to do casino stuff on the moon. They have to be separate entities. Like, I guess maybe let's say to avoid a monopoly or something. Mm-hmm. So what Pluto thinks has happened is that Marucci has put this guy Rex Crater in charge of all of his business on the moon and that actually Rex Crater doesn't exist at all and that it's just an alias for Marucci to cover up the Hmm. fact that he's doing casinos on Earth and casinos on the moon. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, no, but sure. That's his belief. Yeah, So um, Pluto then calls up his cop friend Roland and says, we figured it out. Marucci is Crater. Crater is Marucci, and there's this Earth um, moon casino connection. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately for Roland, he follows up with an old cop friend of his who clearly is on somebody's payroll, be it Crater or Marucci. Um, because they go into this elevator, and Roland is telling his old friend, like, you wouldn't believe it. Marucci and Crater are the same dude. And there's this connection between like the crime syndicates of the earth and crime syndicates of the moon. And he gets killed. <sighs> okay. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we then return back to the mining dome and Pluto's mom calls them up to say that Roland's been killed So they know, they are like, oh, we must be on the right track because now Roland's been killed for this information that we revealed. They also feel a bit bad that he died, but they don't really have time to linger on that because Mogan, Larry, and the rest of the thugs show up to the mining dome and there's like a shootout, I want to say, in space that happens. (laughs) Um, But then... The thugs blow up this mining dome. And uh, ultimately, as is always the case, Dina, Bruno, and Pluto manage to escape this situation and drive away in the car. They Then the thugs follow them. And we have another car chase on the surface of the moon. Um, uh. And... They end up driving right toward this big crevasse on the moon and they jump it. And I think if I remember correctly, they get to the other side of the crevasse, but then the car explodes. And so the thugs are on the other side. They don't jump over and they see this explosion and they basically are like, so these guys are dead. That was what we were here to do. Now they're dead. We don't need to worry about anything at all 
Meanwhile, cut to other side of the crevasse, and in fact, they're not dead. They've survived, but they're kind of fucked because now they don't have a car. They're on the far side of the moon, which as far as we can tell, doesn't really have any sort of colonies on it or anything. And um, they only have so much oxygen and no other, like, supplies at all. So Mm -hmm. even so, they start walking in a direction. I can't remember if they know what direction to go to try and find the nearest city, but they start walking. Um, Their uh, oxygen eventually starts to fail, so they both pass out. That's when Bruno picks them up like two sacks of potatoes, like literally, and starts walking, (laughs) carrying them. um, Because he can, of course, be on the surface of the moon without a spacesuit or anything. He's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's when, right when you kind of think it's time to lose hope, because Bruno starts losing his battery charge as well. So everyone's in trouble. Right at that moment... Uh, good old Luis Guzman, that's the actor's name. Yes, that's who it was. I was trying to figure out his name the whole time. Yeah, Luis Guzman, 46, playing the role (laughs) of Felix, drives up in this moon bus. Um, well, what else would you call it? No, it's moon bus, sure. (laughs) Uh, he drives up in a moon bus. Um, and he rescues them. Now, Luis Guzman, you've seen this guy. He's been in a million mm-hmm. things. Um, I was pleased to learn that his latest thing that he's into is he's going to play Gomez Adams in a TV show called Wednesday that I have to assume is about the Adams family. So love that. That could be fun. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Felix revives both um, Pluto and Dina. And he's really excited because Felix is also a smuggler and Pluto Nash apparently has this major reputation as like the world's most amazing smuggler. So he's like, I'll absolutely take you to Moon Beach, which is where the casino that Rex Crater owns is. Moon Beach. They really needed to come up with some better names for things, but okay. Uh, why? What's the problem with Moon Beach? Well, it's just a little derivative. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so then <laughs> they arrive at the Lunar Grand Hotel and Casino in Moon Beach. Um, Both of those names. Lunar Grand, too, but whatever. Yeah. I'll let it go. So to be, like, low profile, because they, they've now been... Like, they've, attempts to on their lives are at least two or three, I think the count is at this point. So <laughs> they dress up like tourists to get into the casino to look mm-hmm. for Marucci slash Crater. Yeah. Felix is also in the casino and seemingly, I don't know if he's drunk or high or just stupid, but um, he sees Pluto walking by and he's like, hey, Pluto, Pluto Nash, he's my friend. That's him. Um, so the, the attempt at being low profile falls apart. Did not work. <laughs> uh, security guys for the hotel start to follow Dina and Pluto around. And for whatever reason, they decide that what they're going to do to hide is go watch the Tony Francis show. 
Um, I'm not sure how that's a hiding spot. Um, and again, this goes back to what I was saying at the opening. There's absolutely no reason for this Tony Francis part of this movie at all. I didn't understand his character, what the point of it was. No, well, there is no point because everything that Tony does ultimately makes no difference to the movie at all. Because, so, I mean, now if you want to see Jay Moore doing kind of a Sinatra style performance, that's what you get here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not like upset with it, but it's just like, it is pointless. It's totally pointless. And I was upset with the, (laughs) the hair that he has as Tony Francis. Uh Well, even when he was Anthony Frankowski, because it's like, it's clearly fake because Jay Moore is famously blonde and this is deep black hair. And Jay Moore is also famously semi balding. And this is a full head of hair. And it's, like, greasy looking, and it's curly. Like, everything about this is bad news. (laughs) Um, So he does this, like, Sinatra act, and then, um, like, somehow they manage to talk their way into his dressing room after the performance is over. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea of cloning has already been mentioned once because... Um, the doctor who went missing was a, her cloning was her specialty, but now we see it reiterated again. And I have to assume it's because of the reveal we're about to have. Um, Tony Francis is married to a woman and a clone of that same woman. And they talk together at the same time. Um, and it's all very concerning and off-putting in many ways um but basically Pluto just blows right past that and he's like I'm here because I have to see Rex Crater um do you know how to Mm -hmm. get to him because Rex Crater of course owns this casino where Tony Francis is performing and Tony's like man you can't get at this guy this guy is like a ghost and Pluto kind of prods him a little bit and finally Tony's like okay I've got an idea of how you can do this They go into the elevator, and Tony has this very elaborate plan involving elevator shafts and jumping from one elevator car to another and, like, taking it up to the penthouse and whatever. And, again, this is something that could have been funny if the rest of the movie had been funny. Um, Right. Because Pluto's reaction to this is like, fuck nobody. Like, come up with something better. (laughs) There's got to be a better way. Um. But it doesn't even matter because then the two of them turn around, walk out of the elevator, the security guards are there, and they both get tasered and pass Mm -hmm. out. Mm. Cut to the climax of the movie. We're in the penthouse. And we are told that this is Rex Crater's penthouse. And... Do you remember how they do this reveal of who Rex Crater is? Uh, I don't remember how they did it. I mean, I remember what happened-ish, but I don't remember how. What Was he when they turned him around in the chair? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we see the back of this big white, you know, uh, villain man chair and a villain you know man office. You know, um, that's a good point. That's something in movies. Here's the thing about movies. 
Okay, can't wait to hear where this is going. You know someone's bad when they have a giant chair. And they need to turn around dramatically (laughs) in it. I feel like nobody has a real chair like that in real life where you cannot see anything. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the only other chairs like that are like the chairs they have on The Voice. Like, yeah, I don't I don't think chairs do that. Generally, I mean, I'm sure you could get one. But it, I'm yeah, it of course. Would be, but I don't think people have them. It's very often. not a common thing you own um, because you don't like. I'm trying to think of any chairs that I have ever had that like you, and you have to have it in like a creepy office, right? Where you like are turned towards the window and then you turn back around, right? Like I don't think people do that. Generally not. Anyway, no. So anyway, that is how they we do it. we walk in, we see this villain man chair behind a villain man desk in a villain man office, and we're told, "You've been wanting to meet Rex Crater. Here he is." The chair spins around, and boom! It's Eddie Murphy. Yes, it's someone who looks <laughs> exactly like Pluto Nash, and Pluto is surprised because he's been assuming it's this Alec Baldwin guy is Rex Crater but it's turned it's turned out it's not so then the explanation for this is that that earth moon casino connection is happening that's true but it's not happening in quite the same way as Pluto imagined it would because it's not that Alec Baldwin just has an alias called Rex Crater and then that's who's like signing documents on the moon it's that they've actually created a person to play the role of Rex Crater, who is a clone of Pluto Nash. Yeah. And if you're asking, when did Pluto Nash get cloned? Are you, a- yes, are you asking me that? I didn't ask it because I didn't care, but also I, I, I'm asking it. So, turns <laughs> out. Turns out eight years ago, which is before this what? movie even began. No. See, I think that's where the movie is. Not, you're not allowed to bring it. Well, I guess a lot of movies do that. Never mind. Go ahead. Eight years ago, before this, the story of this movie began, Pluto Nash was still in jail. And when he was in jail, he got an appendectomy. And the doctor, oh. who is the cloning doctor who got killed was the one to do that appendectomy and from the cell material associated with that rex crater well no pluto nash gets cloned and then the clone becomes rex crater yeah okay sure yeah <laughs> um and the i guess and again this is just me surmising because they say a lot of words here, but it, they never really like commit to them such that I can be sure this is really what the story is saying. But my impression is, is the reason that they've chosen to clone Pluto Nash is because he's this really great smuggler and they, the mafia wanted someone who had that skill set to run their operations on the moon. And Crater Mm. reveals that he has all of Pluto's memories. So that's why he's good at his role. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, there's that whole thing. <laughs> um, now, unfortunately, so and so Crater keeps going back to this. I want to turn your club in Little America into a casino. Um, Pluto still says no, but again, all of this is insane because the club is already demolished. So I'm not really sure what we're yeah. dealing with here. Yeah. The other thing that is unfortunate for the people in the room at the moment of this reveal is that Mogan and Larry, because Mogan and Larry, though they are Rex Crater's henchmen, they've never seen mm -hmm. Rex Crater. Mm -hmm. And now that they know that Rex Crater is a clone of Pluto Nash, they can't be permitted to live. So Rex just shoots them straight away. Yeah. Yikes. But then there's like some kind of fight breaks out and it's mostly between Rex and Pluto mm -hmm. and the remaining like thugs who are in this room and I think I think Dina is also there somehow. Mm -hmm. Um no one on either side wants to shoot at these two guys fighting because they can't tell who is who. Um <laughs> right. But then one of them does get shot. And at first we think it's Pluto, but it's revealed to be Rex. But then Rex reveals that he's wearing a bulletproof vest. So then mm -hmm. Pluto starts to strangle him. And then somehow, and again, I like watched this and I still don't know. I still didn't follow this series of events. Somehow Rex falls out of the window in his office and dies. Yeah, because he falls onto the craps table, um, right? Yeah, yeah, or yeah, it's what I was going to call it, the gambling table. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's called, but that, yeah. So then he dies. Problem solved, I guess. Um, yeah. Final scene of the movie. We're back in Club Pluto, which I guess has been fixed at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. everything's... They don't say, like, how if like how much in the future no. or anything, do they? No, this yeah. time we don't get a, like, one year later or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. but everything's fixed. Now Dina is there and she's singing at the club. Um, uh. it seems like she and Pluto are dating, though it's not totally clear. Um... I feel like she could do better, but whatever. Hard to say. Uh, <laughs> on the moon... Moon men maybe aren't great. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I feel like she should go back to Earth and find someone else. Probably. That's just me. Um, and then the other happy ending is that Bruno the android is going to manage the club. And this is like the first time an android has been allowed to do such a human job. Mm. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, and was that supposed to be... Was that supposed to be sort of a comment on like oppressed people and their like jobs in the service industry sort of I think you're really you think? reading a lot more into this <laughs> than it yeah the whole thing was weird it's hard to even just all weird scribe because also like Randy Quaid had a very weird look on his face when he played Bruno yeah, he sort of looked like he looks like Dr. Evil to me yes he also had a suit that looked like Dr. Evil so like that yeah that didn't help and he was bald 
like Doctor Evil. Yeah. So like, I wonder what the heck year does Austin Powers come out? Or before this, it's before this. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I know it's in the nineties. Really? Yes, I'm. I know it's in the nineties. That's 90s. wild. Yeah. That's that's really wild because this movie feels older than that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Going back to my opening yeah. salvo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's a bad movie when you, you when you keep being like, but what year is this movie from? And yeah. what year are these other movies from? And like, yeah, what's so happening with this? What like, is happening? Um, wow, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's, Maybe we should talk about Austin Powers sometime. <laughs> I'm not sure that that counts Does as that science count? fiction, although there is cloning cryogenic and cryogenic <laughs> freezing. So maybe we could. Oh um, anyway. But yeah, that's the movie. So yeah. Um, yep. Yawns and eye rolls. Right. Uh, <laughs> yawns. One yawn is... This was just magic on screen, and I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> and Tanyon's is like, I don't even know if I would say my all eyes were assaulted, but I certainly wasn't looking at this movie. <laughs> what would you? Whoa! Give wow! It? Oh my gosh! That that wow! That scale is wild. Um, you know, it was pretty boring for me. I'm not gonna lie. Like, um, it took me two sits. Uh, sits to watch uh lots of pausing to see how much more time great um i watched it on a free trial of stars perfect (laughs) um and i would say yawns like maybe seven it was pretty boring for me yeah it was pretty boring for me as well so i think i might agree with you with seven because they're just like there wasn't anything there to latch on to really yeah, I at all. away a lot. Um, yeah. And like the story was confounding. Like. I, di- I felt like I didn't know what was going on, which is very normal for me in these movies. But like, I feel like I didn't know what was going on. And I also at the same time felt like I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I like there were a couple times when I was like, I really am not seeing the connection between like what happened in the last <laughs> scene and what's happening now. I'll do like a little rewind to make sure. And yeah, I was not doing any rewinding. And it was like, no, that didn't help. Um, so that's a bit of a problem. That's also when you know it's bad. Yeah. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is like, just suspend your disbelief, why don't you? Um, <laughs> and then 10 eye rolls is just like, absolutely not. Won't do it. Can't do it. This is nuts. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, I know you, I feel like you do this part of it as like, we've seen this before or we've never seen this before. Right. I don't think I've seen anything like this before. (laughs) Like, I don't think I've seen like a full on like other, like fully functioning, um, society on the moon. I don't think I've seen that. That's Um, fair enough. So, and I don't believe it to be something that could happen in 2080. So that's definitely eye rolly. The fact that they couldn't come up with any like better names for things, and it's basically just like weirdo Earth. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty eye rolly. I'm. I guess I'll say like again, like seven or eight. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that too. This is a rare one where we seem to be on the same page because, especially 
when you just said like it's just like bizarro earth on the yeah. moon um yeah that it does have very much a feel of that which is like meh, like even for everything's like pretty much the same but it's like a little like wonky yeah and even for the i think you're right that in the context of this podcast i don't think we've ever seen as fully developed like a colony on the moon or like life on the moon yeah. that's true yeah. But even for that, it's like not and no aliens and no like, aliens. That's other things like, like were I mean I know like maybe technically the people who are born on the moon are aliens I guess sort of but it seems like there's a quite a congruence between uh, Earth and the moon like where it's we're not like like we're chill with each other sort of. Well, <laughs> and like, I I think I would have enjoyed seeing whatever earth was like in this future yeah same i think that would have been helpful because like that might have been a more interesting movie to be perfectly honest well like and i'm wondering like is the point of this whole thing like because this could be interesting because they're saying like earth they do keep going on and on about how earth and moon culture are different yeah but we don't really it sort of seems see like that the moon yeah it sort of seems like the moon is like bat bad earth. right right and like that's what i'm saying like, is like is the moon yeah. where um like all like is the moon like the naughty people go <laughs> is the moon like a big version of vegas where yes it's like yes, yes. we just all do our bad shit on the moon but on and that yeah. and that's because what happens on the moon stays on the moon okay? that's probably pretty literally true i would say <laughs> um but like, yeah, like has has Earth developed in such a way that like there's kind of a global community understanding that like Earth is going to be nice. Earth is going to have good environment situations. Earth, like, you know, we clean up our act yeah. on Earth and then we yeah. export all of our vices and our terrible stuff to <laughs> the moon. Or yeah. is it like effectively basically our Earth and the moon are the same thing? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that might have helped to at least have a slightly better understanding of what was happening on Earth, especially because yeah. the whole plot revolved around this thing of, like, Earth-Moon casino connection. I'm like, yeah, can we know something about Earth? Like, anything <laughs> yeah. at all? All um, we ever saw was Alec Baldwin, like, talking on CNN or something. Right, right. Um, so, finally, mm-hmm. did you like this and would you recommend it? Um, yeah, that's a big no and no, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just no. Yeah. I don't think I would. I agree. I mean, and I'm sorry to say it because... Like, I feel like if you want to if you want to watch Eddie Murphy, he has way other... Oh, for like, sure. Yes. If that's, like, what you like, watch something else. If you like Jay Moore, <laughs> watch him in something else. Yes. If you like any of the people... If you like Randy Quaid, even, go watch Christmas Vacation. Way more enjoyable, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, not... Just not necessary. This doesn't even have the fun of, like, a shitty sci-fi movie. Like... Yeah. It's not goofy enough. It's not weird yeah. enough. It's not campy enough. It's nothing. Yeah. Um... So even though the name, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, sounds kind of cool, it's the best thing about the movie is the name. And that's uh, kind of a, yeah, that's that's an indictment on its whole. Yeah, I was going to say that's pretty scathing, but it is true. Yeah. Well, we're sorry to report that this was not great, but 
I still had a good time talking with you, Amy. And I am Sarah. And we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.